0: Well, God bless you, Pastor Steve and Kim, and the interns and Kayla Martinez are all in Cambodia. Pretty awesome. So you can keep them in your prayers. Yeah, saw a picture. Marianne West shared a picture of uh, Devin, who's a third-year intern, holding this little fan. And, the, and the, he said on Facebook, "It's miserably hot here." <laughs> And it's snowing here, so, uh, crazy. <laughs> but they're over there in Cambodia, and it uh, should be a fantastic experience for them to worship and praise God and move the word in that part of the world and see the great work that's happening there. Uh, we have a couple of couples, the McCalls, that have been there for a number of years And uh, when you give to missions, that's one of the missions that we're giving to and supporting pretty tremendous. And they've got dozens, maybe a hundred or more churches, so uh, home churches largely. But isn't that wonderful? They're moving the world like crazy. I don't know if you remember historically when Khmer Rouge went into Cambodia and slaughtered hundreds, thousands and thousands of people. And then they were ultimately defeated. Then there was this huge vacuum over there. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of them are uh, Buddhists, I guess. Sorry, I don't have all the facts straight, but there was a great spiritual void. And uh, the McCalls and others have moved into that spiritual void with Christianity and praise God. So they're moving the Word of God over there. It's wonderful. Really appreciate uh, the privilege to share the Word with you tonight trust it will bless you. I was grateful for Danny's exhortation this evening about just focusing on God. Uh, There's a lot of things in the world to focus on, a lot of distractions you may have noticed in the world. There's the whole political arena, which is a kind of a constant distraction, but there's many other things in our lives that beg for our attention and draw us away perhaps from really focusing on God. And, uh, And yet that's where our attention and our affection and our allegiance belongs, because he's the one that does truly supply all of our needs. He's the one that is our strength and our refuge. He's the one that's listening to our prayers, answering our prayers. And it's good to be a Christian. It's good to be a Christian in this world and not having to wander aimlessly and wonder what life's all about. When you know God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the Word of God, you know what life's all about. Amen? Isn't that true? Praise the Lord. You've probably heard a lot of stories about uh, certain individuals that have been, that have overcome great odds and gone on to great success. Some of the more popular ones are like Einstein, who was a terrible student and they thought he was stupid. yeah. He was really stupid. So we went on, of course, to discover or to formulate the law of relativity. It was a little beyond stupid there. Or uh, Thomas Edison that had over a thousand failures trying to put together a light bulb. But his attitude was, well, I've learned a thousand ways that it doesn't work. And uh, finally did put the incandescent bulb together. And we have light, thanks to Thomas Edison. And lights a good thing, right? Some people that you haven't heard about, I want to share a few success stories. Some may be familiar, others may be not so. Jack Canfield and Mark Victor Hansen. These are they co-authored a book called Chicken Soup for the Soul. Anyone ever heard of that? Well, it was rejected by 140 publishers. But since 1993 there's a whole series of Chicken Soup for the Soul that has sold over 500 million copies and uh, in over 40 different languages. Stephen Covey is uh, the author of Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and he started a leadership company a number of years ago, the Covey Leadership Center, and for 11 years they were in a negative cash flow. 11 years. Any of our business people in here, could you go with negative cash flow year after year after year after year for 11 years? The company had literally nothing in the bank. They were totally extended in their accounts payable. Their credit lines were maxed out. Their debt to tangible net worth ratio was 223 to 1. (laughs) And now the company is worth over $170 million. Pretty good may have heard of Sam Walton, Uh, he founded Walmart, but he lost his first store, which was a Ben Franklin five and dime variety store, after five years, and he wrote about this experience, he said, it was the low point of my business life, I felt sick to my stomach, I couldn't believe it was happening to me really was a nightmare. I had built the best variety store in the whole region and worked hard in the community and I did everything right and now I was being kicked out of town. It didn't seem fair. I've always thought of problems as challenges and this one wasn't any different. The challenge at hand was to simply figure it out. I had to pick myself up and get on with it and do it all over again except this time do it better. I had a chance for a brand new start and this time I knew what I was doing Today, of course, Walmart has over 6,000 stores, 2.1 million employees, and the value is over $230 billion. Pretty good, huh? You may have heard about Colonel Sanders. He was over 65 when he went all across the country from restaurant to restaurant cooking batches of chicken for restaurant owners, looking for someone that was willing to purchase his Chicken recipe. He persisted through a thousand and nine rejections, a thousand and nine people saying no, until he finally got a yes. And in 1964, at the age of 74, Colonel Sanders had more than 600 franchised outlets for his chicken in the United States and Canada. He sold his interest in the company for two million dollars. Now, that back then was a lot of money, probably $10 million or more now, and now, of course, Kentucky Fried Chicken does billions of dollars in sales every year, serves millions of customers in over 13,000 restaurants and in 80 countries. <laughs> Not bad, eh? Here's somebody you've probably never heard of, Sylvester Stallone, one of my faves, He was rejected by over 600 casting agents, 600 agents. He was unable to sell his first eight screenplays. 1975, he saw a fight between Muhammad Ali and Chuck Wepner, in which Wepner was a 30-to-1 underdog. Inspired by this fight, he went on to develop the Rocky screenplay, and the script was bought by United Artists and opened in theaters on November 21st, 1976. That movie took in at that time 76, 117 million dollars in box office sales and Stallone made more than five million off that movie alone. Pretty good back in 1976. You may have heard of Bethany Hamilton. She started surfing when she was just a child and when she was 13 a shark bit her arm off. She lost her entire left arm, but one month later, she was back on her surfboard. Two years after that, she won first place in the Explorer Women's Division of the NSSA National Championships. couple more. Here's a guy, Stephen King, rejected 30 times by publishing houses, threw his first book in the trash, His wife pulled it out of the trash. God bless the wives, right? (laughs) Urged him to finish it. And now, of course, his books have sold over 350 million copies and have been made into countless major motion pictures. Here's one you don't know, probably. You might not know her background, but Oprah Winfrey... Grew up in Milwaukee, and she was repeatedly molested by her cousin, by her uncle, and a family friend. She eventually ran away from home. At age 14, she gave birth to a baby boy who shortly died thereafter. But she went on to excel as an honors student in high school. She won an oratory contest, which secured her for full scholarship to college. And the rest is really history. She now has admiration of millions and a net worth of $2.9 billion. Pretty good, huh? The reason I bring all that up is uh, I was thinking about the words for some of us that that were here Sunday, this recent Sunday service. service. Uh, Pastor Kim in the pre-service prayer talked about not quitting. And when Wendy went up, to share she shared out of psalm 126 and she basically emphasized the same words to not quit she was she had a specific context but the message was that you know that we don't quit never give up and then jan martinez shared kind of drew an analogy between her security cameras and uh, as it reminded her that god sees everything in our lives right and that we should trust him with our future and towards the end of Pastor Steve's message, he also encouraged us, you know, not to quit. One great way to read, if you will, what's happening with God's people is to listen to messages like that on a Sunday, <laughs> because God knows what's going on with His people, and when God is saying to His people, "Hang in there, don't quit, don't quit, don't quit." Uh, I thought I'd put together a message about that. So, we're going to look a little bit at persistence and perseverance tonight and uh, see some things in God's Word. These words uh, you've heard before. You've probably heard a message like this, I trust, before, but I don't think it ever gets old because encouragement's always kind of welcome, isn't it? To be persistent means to continue, to constantly repeat. To endure tenaciously, especially in spite of opposition, obstacles, or discouragement. Anyone ever been discouraged? (laughs) Nah. Similarly, perseverance is steadfastness in doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. Other words are determination or doggedness unrelenting unshakable commitment and there's some great examples in the word and I think even though some are very familiar I I really do believe it will bless you tonight we're gonna start in Matthew we're gonna look at the new living if you have a a Bible or if you have an electronic device we're gonna start in Matthew chapter 15 in verse starting in verse 21 It says, Then Jesus left Galilee, and he went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And a Gentile woman who lived there came to him pleading, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. But Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. Oh. Then his disciples urged him to send her away. Tell her to go away, they said. She's bothering us with all of her begging. And then Jesus said to the woman, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. But she came and she worshipped him and pleaded again, Lord, help me. Jesus responded, It isn't right to take food from the children, Israelites, and throw it to the dogs. And that's how the Israelites thought of the Gentiles. They were... Dogs. And she says, That's true. That's true, Lord. But even dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath their master's table. Isn't that beautiful? And Jesus said, Get out of here. No, this is what he said Dear woman, Jesus said to her, Your faith is great. Your request is granted. And her daughter was instantly healed. The thing that struck me in that section of scripture is that he said, Your faith is great. And why why did he make that comment? You know? Why why didn't he say, Your persistence or your perseverance or your determination? Because that's what was happening. She's begging, she's not giving up. And even though basically they're rejecting her, not even don't even want anything to do with her, she kept coming back, kept coming back, and he said, Your faith. Faith is great. So right away you can see there's a correlation between faith and persistence. Get that? Keep that in mind. We're going to look at Mark chapter 10, please. Mark chapter 10, verses 46 and following. Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. Be quiet. You shut up. Be quiet. But he only shouted louder. (laughs) I won't do it. but imagine that he shouted louder be quiet he just Jesus. pretty good huh son of David have mercy on me when Jesus heard him he's in a crowd he stopped he said tell him to come here and so they called the blind man cheer up they said come on he's calling you and Bartimaeus threw aside his coat jumped up and came to Jesus What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. My Rabbi, the blind man said, "I want to see." And Jesus said to him, "Go, for your what? Your faith has healed you." Instantly, the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. Did this really happen? Are you sure? you believe this really happened yeah this really happened this guy is yelling and getting louder and louder and louder and Jesus said it's your faith your faith and again see see the actions of this man and what Jesus said it's your faith so faith is expressed faith is manifested if you will it's demonstrated it's exemplified in this kind of action, this persistent, bulldogged kind of, you know, I'm going after it and no one's going to tell me to shut up and no one's going to tell me I can't have this. Do you understand that? Please see that. He's told to be quiet. He's told to shut up. What does he do? He just makes a louder noise. And when Jesus says, you know, bring him over here, He says, he asked him, you know, what is it that you want? What specifically are you believing for? And Bartimaeus was very specific. I want to see. Pretty good, huh? Very specific. There's great keys in here when we're believing for something, when we're praying for something, whatever it may be. Be specific. Be specific. And Jesus, of course, said, your faith has healed you. Pastor Steve, of course, has taught a lot about faith, the walk of faith. Pastor Kim taught last week about walking by faith, not by sight. So all of this, of course, hopefully is kind of blending together. This, you know, we're called believers. <laughs> Guess what believers do? <laughs> they believe, right? Right? We're believers. We believe. The word believe in the Bible and the word faith is the same Greek word, P-I-S-T-I-S, pistis. It's translated faith. It's translated believe. Sometimes it, it, maybe it will be clearer for you if you read when you see faith it, you read believe or vice versa, whatever works for you. But that's that's the word. This faith and this persistence, again, really go hand in hand. Now I want to look at another record in Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11 and starting in verse 1. And I think uh, it's a great context here. The uh, new living doesn't, uh, isn't quite as uh, colorful or I don't know if that's a good word, familiar as, as the, the old King James. Because it's in this context that Jesus is going to teach the Lord's Prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer, or what the Roman Catholics call the Our Father. By the way, did you know that when uh, President Trump visited Florida a couple days ago, his wife opened the meeting with the Lord's Prayer? I thought that was fantastic. (laughs) I don't care what people want to say. To imagine opening up a meeting, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I think that's fantastic. You can actually, uh, if you're ever interested... You can write to the White House directly, which I did, and I commended her and encouraged her because a lot of people were disgusted and offended and all bent out of shape about it. But I think it's high time in our country that we have God in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ back in the public arena. Yeah. Some people don't like that. That's too bad, huh? Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 1, once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Now, this is going to be different (laughs) than anything you're familiar with. Here's how it goes in New Living. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. Still a great prayer. (laughs) And then teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. See the context? Prayer. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. Sheesh, the door is locked for the night. My family and I are all in bed. That's a big bed right there. I can't help you, but I tell you this. Though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, yeah, something's happening. If you keep knocking long enough, he'll get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. (laughs) I thought that was a great phrase. But there's a footnote in the New Living that says, uh, it would read like this. He'll get up and give you whatever you need in order to avoid shame. Or he'll get up and give you whatever you need so his reputation won't be damaged. Isn't that cool? There's a couple other renderings of this from different versions that I want to share with you. We may or may not get them up on the screen. But this is that verse from the message. It says, but let me tell you, even if he won't get up because he's a friend, if you stand your ground knocking and waking all the neighbors, he'll finally get up and get you whatever you need. Isn't that cool? (laughs) If you stand your ground and knock and even wake up all the neighbors, I need some bread. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. Stand your ground. See now, the context is prayer. You hear this? Whatever it is you're praying for, we talked about being specific This is all in this whole persistence, perseverance deal here, right? Specific, specificity, that's a good word. You like that word? Specificity, right there. Stand your ground. From the New Century Version, the same verse says, I tell you, if friendship is not enough to make him get up and give you the bread, your boldness will make him get up. And give you whatever you need. Isn't that cool? Your boldness. Your boldness. And then it goes on in the New Living in verse 8. And so I tell you. This is in this context of prayer. He was praying. They asked, teach us to pray. He taught them how to pray. He gave this illustration. And now he goes on. And here are the great familiar verses. Keep on asking And you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, what? Receives. It says, everyone who asks receives. Are you a part of the everyone? Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. These are simple, profound truths that everyone can grab a hold of. Ask, seek and knock. This is what persistence or perseverance is all about. Keep on asking. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Stand your ground and be bold. Not awesome? You know, dear Lord, if maybe perhaps sort of kinda of if you feel like it, if you're in the mood, maybe could you just think about, you know, sometime when you have time. Think about little old me and is that the way to approach him? Not according to the Bible. You know, I I know I'm just a little pile of whatever. <laughs> I'm just a worm. Yeah. Is that how God looks at us? No, that's not how God looks at us. We're His children. We're His children. Anybody have children? What would you not do for your child? Well, how much more, how much greater God is? Tonight, uh, our son called from Eagle Point. He has to go to work at the mall doesn't have a ride. You know what? We basically dropped everything. (laughs) Travel off. You go pick him up and take him to work and come home and throw some sandwiches together. Come up, come out to church. I mean, you know, no, you can't. We're not going to help you. That's not what parents do, huh? Anyway, you get the point. What is boldness? What is this boldness? This is part of persistence. Boldness. It's the willingness to take risks and act innovatively. It's confidence or courage. What does it mean to take risks? This is part of believing. This is part of faith. I hope you're putting all this together. You know, to stick stick your neck out, to kind of stand out, you know, to go after something with no necessarily no guarantee. Do you follow what I'm saying? We're believing for something. Hebrews says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Thank you. They're not seen yet. So faith is, you know, you have it in your hand, even though it's not in your hand. But in your mind it is. You follow that? There's another version or tra- translation or teaching about it being the title deed. Faith is like a title deed. You know what a title deed is? You have a title for your car or a title deed for your property, right? And you might not see see the car parked in the driveway, but if you got the title, baby, that car is yours. Right? You have the title. I own that, whether you see it or not. And that's what faith is. Pretty neat. So, Here's, some, here's a famous phrase you've heard before. If at first you don't succeed, <laughs> what, what is there's a lot of versions of this. Want to hear a few? If at first you don't succeed, then skydiving definitely is not for you. <laughs> if at first you don't succeed, destroy all evidence that you tried. If at first you don't succeed, try two more times so that your failure is statistically significant. (laughs) Or, if at first you don't succeed, do it the way your wife told you. (laughs) All the women love that one. (laughs) That's great. That's great. Where are we? All right. This is good. Okay, pretty good, huh? Here's another great parable that Jesus taught, Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 1. One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray pray and never give up. I'll tell you, I don't know about you, but I need that. I need to hear that. Always pray and never give up. I have prayed for my kids, and I have two adult children in California, 36 and 33, and two stepchildren with Amy, 20 and 18, and they're all kind of out there in la-la land, very different individuals, but I pray that they'll come to Jesus Christ, that someday that they will come and respect him and honor him and love him like I do. Uh... Before I die would be great. You know, I'd love that. But if it happens, you know, after I die, that's okay too. Just, you know, you ever read about George Mueller? He prayed for people's salvation, and there were a couple that he had prayed his whole life for that finally came to Christ after he died. But the prayer was heard, and the prayer was answered. Pretty neat, huh? Always pray and never never give up. Here we go. go. Here's the story. There was a judge in a certain city who neither feared God nor cared about people. (laughs) This is great. I don't fear God and I don't care about nobody. (laughs) A widow of that city came to him repeatedly. See these words? These are words that have to stand out when you read the word came to him repeatedly over and over and over and over again, saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, (laughs) but this woman is driving me crazy. (laughs) Can't you see Jesus telling this story? (laughs) I think it's great. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Now, what's the context? Pray and never give up. Isn't that cool? Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a decision, a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice To his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Isn't that a great parable? Love that. Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly, but when the Son of Man returns, How many will he find on earth who have faith? There's that word again. What kind of faith? The faith that never quits. That's the kind of faith. Never quit. Years ago, uh, in the mid 70s, now that's a long time ago, that's over 40 years ago, there was a verse I memorized. And it said, I have been young, and now I'm old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Now then, 40 years ago, I was young, and I didn't know the old part of the verse. (laughs) But you know what? God is, it's like Danny was sharing earlier tonight, you know. We need to focus on him. He's the one that provides. He's the one that hears and answers all of our prayer. He knows your heart and soul. He knows everything about your life, and he's very personal, and he's very willing and very ready and very able to answer your prayers to meet all your needs. Absolutely, absolutely wants to probably more you know, than you even want it. But the keys here, I hope, are clear. We got to be persistent. We got to be persevering. We have to never, ever quit. Jesus said, When the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on earth who have faith? And I thought, you know, what kind of faith is he looking for? It's the kind of faith that keeps asking, that keeps seeking, that keeps knocking, right? The kind of faith that doesn't draw back. The kind of faith that never quits. The kind of faith that cries out day and night. We hear this here at Joy. Pastor Kim uses this phrase about crying out to God. Crying out to God. And it's very biblical. I want to show you some great verses. We do have time. Show you some great verses in Psalms. Ready? Psalm 18, 6. But in my distress, I cried out to the Lord. Ever been in distress? Yes, I prayed to my God for help. He heard me from his sanctuary. My cry to him reached his ears. Beautiful. Psalm twenty eight verse six Praise the Lord, for he has heard my cry for mercy. Psalm thirty one, twenty two, in panic. <laughs> Anyone know what panic is? A couple people. In panic, I cried out, I'm cut off from the Lord, but you heard my cry for mercy and answered my call for help. Psalm 40, verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and he turned to me and heard my cry. Isn't that gorgeous? Psalm 57, 2, I cry out to God most high, to God who will fulfill his purpose for me. I love that gorgeous. Psalm 119, 147, I rise early before the sun is up. I cry out for help and I put my hope in your words, the word of God. I wish we had time to look at Abraham's life. A lot of you know about Abraham's life and we don't have that kind of time. So what you know about him is, of course, he was, God made him a promise in his old age a promise in his old age that he and his wife Sarah were going to have a son. He was about 75 years old when God first spoke to him. And that promise didn't happen for another 25 plus years. But it says in Romans chapter 4, verses 18 and following, even even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations, for God had said to him when talked about how his seed would be as the sand of the seashore, or the stars of the sky, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken. Even though at about a hundred years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead. And so was Sarah's womb. <laughs> Pastor Steve teaches this. Dead bod. <laughs> Listen to this. Verse 30. 20, I mean. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. Well, if you look back at Abraham's life, it looks like he wavered because he and Hagar went off and had Ishmael. But ultimately, it came around to where he and Sarah did have this child, Isaac, the son of promise. You can read about it in Genesis 17 and following. It says back in this Romans 4, verse 20, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. Listen to this. He was fully convinced That God is able to do whatever he promises. That's it. Fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. Do you believe that? God is able and God is willing. God is willing and God is able. He is able to do what he's willing to do and he's willing to do what he's able to do. His willingness and his ability are equal for you and for me. Isn't that fantastic? if he says that he can do it he can do it he's willing and he's able pretty important and because of abraham's faith god counted him as righteous and when god counted him as righteous it wasn't just for abraham's benefit it was recorded for our benefit too assuring us that god will also count us as righteous if we what if we believe in him The one who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. He was handed over to die because of our sins. He was raised to life to make us right with God. Persistence is never wavering. Persistence is never wavering being fully convinced that God's ability equals his willingness. Like I said, it looked like Abraham wavered, but it looked like he doubted even, you know. But God sees the final picture. From God's point of view, he never wavered. You follow that? You know, Abraham went off on a detour, but ultimately he believed God and the promise of God came to pass. So from God's point of view, he never wavered. You, You catch that? He never wavered because he ultimately did believe. God sees your faithfulness, and he sees your resolve, and he sees your determination. And sometimes, when you don't feel like it, you got to just fight one more round. And I thought, this is a a, a terrific, uh, not a poem really, but this is written by James Corbett. You can find it in in his story if, if you're interested, James Corbett. He said, fight one more round when your feet are so tired that you have to shuffle back to the center of the ring. Fight one more round. And when your arms are so tired, you can hardly lift your hands to come on guard. Fight one more round. When your nose is bleeding and your eye is black and you're so tired, you wish your opponent would just crack you one on the jaw and put you to sleep. Fight one more round. Remembering that the man who always fights one more round is never whipped. Pretty good, huh? Here's another couple more, and we're almost done. Proverbs 24, verse 16. New Living says, the godly may trip seven times, but they'll get up again. I think I've tripped more than seven times. (laughs) Get up again. One disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. There's a couple other versions of this verse from the uh, New International I think that's what it ever new and improved and wider brighter and whatever. Even if godly people fall down 7 times they always get up. Pretty good? Even if godly people fall down they always get up from the message it says. No matter how many times you how many times you trip them up, God loyal people don't stay down for long. Soon they're up on their feet while the wicked end up flat on their faces. Pretty cool, huh? Okay, in Hebrews chapter 12. This is following that great chapter on faith of all these different people that are just like you and me. But they believed God. They, they went out on a limb. They stuck their neck out. They persisted. They never quit. They just stayed after it. Against all odds, like some of the people that we were reading about in the beginning... The odds were all against them. But they believed God anyway. What have you got to lose? By believing God. Huh? Hebrews 12 verses 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, all those mentioned in chapter 11, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin That so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Run with endurance. It's a long distance marathon. It's not a sprint. This is a long distance run. (laughs) Hang in there. Stay with it. Stick to it. Don't quit. We do this. How do we do this? Like Danny was sharing at the beginning. Keeping our eyes on Jesus. That's how we do it. Keep our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. So before we close, I just want to say, whatever situation you're in, whatever you're praying for, Whatever you're believing for, whether it's health or a family member's health or a friend's health or a job or a better job, uh, a raise at your job, more finances, a home, whatever it is, strange children—not just strange, but estranged—something <laughs> uh, deeply personal. Maybe you don't, never told anyone about. You can tell God about it. Whatever it is, some kind of personal breakthrough in your own life, some moving past some barrier, some obstacle, so that you can get to another level of your spiritual awareness, whatever it is, hang in there and don't quit. I want to read in closing this great piece from the greatest salesman in the world by Ogmandino. Maybe you've read it or heard about it, and I hope it will bless you. Listen to this. I got five, four minutes. See if I can do it. I will persist until I succeed. In the Orient, young bulls are tested for the fight arena in a certain manner. Each is brought to the ring and allowed to attack a picador who pricks them with the lance. The bravery of each bull is then rated with care according to the number of times he demonstrates his willingness to charge in spite of the sting of the blade. Henceforth will I recognize that each day I am tested by life in like manner. As I persist, if I continue to try, if I continue to charge forward, I will succeed. I will persist until I succeed. I was not delivered into this world in defeat, nor does failure course in my veins. I am not a sheep waiting to be prodded by my shepherd. I'm a lion, and I refuse to talk or to walk or to sleep with the sheep. (laughs) I will hear not those who weep and complain, for their disease is contagious. Let them join the sheep. The slaughterhouse of failure is not my destiny. I will persist until I succeed. The prizes of life are at the end of each journey, not near the beginning, and it's not given me to know how many steps are necessary in order to reach my goal. Failure I may still encounter at the thousandth step. Yet success hides behind the next bend in the road. Never will I know how close it lies unless I turn the corner. Always will I take another step. If that's of no avail, I'll take another, and yet another. In truth, one step at a time is not too difficult. I will persist until I succeed Henceforth I'll consider each day's effort as but one blow of my blade against a mighty oak. The first blow may cause not a tremor in the wood, nor the second, nor the third. Each blow of itself may be trifling and seem of no consequence, yet from childish swipes the oak will eventually tumble. So it will be with my efforts of today. I will be like unto the raindrop, which, which washes away the mountain." or the ant who devours a tiger, the star which brightens the earth, the slave which builds a pyramid. I'll build my castle one brick at a time for I know that small attempts repeated will complete any undertaking. I will persist until I succeed. I will never consider defeat and I will remove from my vocabulary such words and phrases as quit, cannot, unable, impossible, out of the question, Improbable, failure, unworkable, hopeless, and retreat, for they are the words of fools. I will avoid despair, but if this disease of the mind should infect me, then I will work on in despair. I will toil and I will endure. I will ignore the obstacles at my feet and keep my eyes on the goals above my head, for I know that where dry desert ends, green grass grows. I will persist until I succeed. I will remember the ancient law of averages and I will bend it to my good. I will persist with knowledge that each failure to sell will increase my chance for success in the next attempt. Each nay that I hear will bring me closer to the sound of yay. Each frown frown I meet only prepares me for the smile to come. Each misfortune I encounter will carry in it the seed of tomorrow's good luck. I must have the right, I must have the night to appreciate the day. I must fail often to succeed only once. I will persist until I succeed. I will try and try and try again. Each obstacle I will consider as a mere detour to my goal and a challenge to my profession. I will persist and develop my skills as the mariner develops his by learning to ride out The wrath of each storm. I will persist until I succeed. Henceforth I will learn and apply another secret of those who excel. When each day is ended, not regarding whether it's been a success or a failure, I'll attempt to achieve one more sale. This is the context, right? When my thoughts beckon my tired body homeward, I will resist the temptation to depart. I'll try again. I'll make one more attempt to close with victory, and if that fails, I will make another. Never will I allow any day to end with a failure. Thus will I plant the seed of tomorrow's success and gain an insurmountable advantage over those who cease their labor at a prescribed time. When others cease in their struggle, then mine will begin, and my harvest will be full I will persist until I succeed, nor will I allow yesterday's success to lull me into today's complacency, for this is the great foundation of failure. I will forget the happenings of the day that is gone, whether it was good or bad, and greet the new sun with confidence that this will be the best day of my life. So long as there is breath in me, that long will I persist, for now I know one of the greatest principles of success. If I persist long enough, I will win. I will persist, and I will win. God bless you. One minute over.